Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, listener. I'm glad you're here. Take a seat. Next to the fire. Sinking. The Rogers family first stop in Florida is in Jennings. There they rest and grab attraction pamphlets. One attraction is the Dead River. The Dead River is a distributary of the Alfalfa River in North Florida. When the water level is high, water from the Alfalfa gets siphoned off into sinkholes. Sinkholes are strange and terrifying things. In February 2013, a man named Jeff Bush slept as a sinkhole opened from beneath him in his bedroom. It swallowed him whole. I've often pondered Jeff Bush's final thoughts. This was in Sefner, Florida. I was living there at the time. After Jennings, the Rogers arrive in Jacksonville. There they stay at the Days Inn. This is their first stop for vacation time. In the morning, they eat complimentary breakfast, then enjoy a trip to the Jacksonville Zoo. On Sunday, Joe and the girls travel to Silver Springs in Ocala and take a trip on a glass-bottom boat. Afterwards, they're off to Titusville to stay at the Quality Inn. Joe sends a postcard to Hal, 
lamenting how the girls aren't keeping pace with her. Joe understands how rare vacations are for a blue-collar family. She wants to create memories with her daughter. Michelle is feeling lovesick for boyfriend Jeff. His birthday is coming up in a couple of days, and she's going to miss it. She writes out a postcard. The front reads, Fun times in Florida. Monday is the big day. It's when they arrive in Orlando, the intended centerpiece of the vacation. Monday is SeaWorld. Tuesday is Epcot. Wednesday, MGM Studios. Before they leave for Tampa on Thursday, Michelle calls Jeff to wish him a happy birthday. You can imagine Michelle lying on the bed, on the phone, behind Jeff's class ring he'd given her. Michelle tells Jeff that she and Christy wanted to go to the beach, but that her mom wouldn't let her go in the ocean. Not one of the Rogers girls can swim. At 12.57, Joe calls the Bush Gardens information line. She asks for directions and their open hours. This call is in vain. The girls will never live to see Bush Gardens. When the week passes, Hal starts to worry. He hasn't received a call in days, and the girls should be home by now. Part 2. The Sting of Leather Oba Chandler was the fourth of five children. He, the only boy. His parents left Kentucky for Cincinnati, Ohio, his place of birth. Oba's father, Oba Sr., was a strict and violent man. Oba Sr. only knew one form of discipline, the leather belt. If his sisters dressed in a way deemed provocative, it was the belt. If Oba Jr. did anything deemed out of line the belt. The belt was no light belting either. In bed at night, Hoba can still see the creased leather snapping across flesh. That whipping sound. Hard strappings administered and never forgotten. When Oba Jr. turned 10 years old, it was him and two siblings left. His older sisters left as soon as they were of age. The children left terrified of their father. May 30th, 1957. Flashes of memory. Very deep. Painful stuff. It was Helen, Oba's 12-year-old sister, who climbs down those stairs. In the basement, the creaking sound of stressed wood. Oba Sr. swinging from the ceiling. Noose tied around his neck. The rope tied from a cellar beam. Then the open casket funeral. Their father lay in a pinstripe suit. The gravediggers shoveling dirt over the coffin. The preacher speaking his unheard words of attempted comfort. Oba Jr. is shaking. He can't hear a thing. Everything sounds soft to Oba, like there is gauze packed in his ears. Family can hear Oba Jr. say, He didn't have to do that. Under his breath, He didn't have to do that. He's a broken record that day. Then he's off into the grave, stomping the dirt beneath his feet, pressing it into his father's coffin. 
Was this revenge for little Oba Jr.? A sort of vindication over a violent man and views of the eyes that grieved him. We can hate Oba Chandler the man, but we can feel sorrow for the child. The image of Chandler as a child raging against his father's casket is a haunting one. Part 3. Rising Up and Rising Down After the passing of his father, Opa began to rebel. Gone was the threat of the leather strap. His career as a criminal kickstarts. Opa shoots at vehicles with BB guns. He becomes a thief, gets into scraps with other boys. The fury of a thousand strappings unleashed on any poor soul that tried him. Oba's arrested on 20 occasions before the age of 18. When he's 14, he steals a car. Shortly after that, he drops out of school. This despite having an above-average IQ of 120. In 1960, Oba moved in with his sister in Tampa. Within a year, he moves in with his sister, Alma, in Pinellas Park. This does nothing to change his behavior, so he's sent to Newport, Kentucky, to live with his mother. When Oba turns 15, he learns he has a way with women. In 1962, he meets a girl. He has two children with her, Valerie and Crystal, and then ends the relationship with the mother. Oba moves back to Pinellas Park in Florida. He starts extorting women for sex. And when Oba cannot convince women through extortion, he forces himself on them. This is the point of no return. Oba Jr. gone. Born. Oba Chandler. Monster. Oba continues to have trouble with police. He's charged for stealing two shotguns. In 1964, he has a son, Jeffrey Scott Chandler. In 1965, Oba Chandler joins the Marine Corps. He's 19 and it was during the Vietnam War. Within a week, he's in trouble for disobeying orders. By March 1966, he deserts. A little over three months later, he's caught in St. Paul, Minnesota, sentenced to six months hard labor. Oba's discharged from the Marines shortly after. After the Marines, Oba moves back to Minnesota and finds another girlfriend. He has his third child and works for Ford. During this period, he starts committing robbery. In 1969, Oba steals 21 wigs from Rita's Beauty Room in Cincinnati, Ohio. The wigs found in his home, and while the case is underway, Oba gets married. He has another daughter, but not with his wife. By the end of the year, he has another girl with his current wife. Oba receives one to seven years in prison, but only serves ten months. On Christmas Eve, his wife gives birth, and Oba has another son. After leaving prison, he begins committing crimes immediately. Oba is arrested at least six times within the first five years. On one occasion, he's arrested for masturbating while peeping on a woman 
in her home. In 1971, he moves in with his girlfriend in Cincinnati and shortly after has another daughter. He, his girlfriend, and daughter move to Florida and he starts his career in aluminum. In 1972, he starts a new relationship, has another baby, and is married again by 1974. The marriage almost immediately annulled when Oba steals her truck. In 1976, Oba and an accomplice follow a couple home to their Daytona Beach, Florida apartment. They see the couple flashing copious amounts of cash at the shops. Oba knocks on the door. A moment passes. Before Oba can knock again, a voice. Yes? A fraction of a second passes before Oba gets the story right. Our cars run out of gas. Can we use your phone? I promise. It won't take long. A pause. And everything seems to happen all at once. The door starts to open. It's cracked. It's held shut only by a chain latch. The man inside speaks. Okay. But just for a... Oba's foot smashes into and then through the door. The latch snaps off the wall. The door slams into the man's face. He's knocked off his feet and hits the ground. Oba's accomplice moves quick to bind him. Oba, face red, is staring at the man's wife. She's frozen in shock. Open that door. She doesn't move. I said open that fucking door. This gets her moving. Oba is holding a gun. He's pointing it at her. The door that needed opening is to her bedroom. She opens and then enters. The woman is living moment to moment now. Survival mode. Take off your clothes. With tears in her eyes, she obeys. Turn around and put your hands behind your back. She does as she's told. Oba binds her wrists together. With great force, Oba throws the woman into a nearby bed, face first. He rolls her over. She's sobbing. The woman can hear the other man in another room screaming at her husband. He's demanding money. Oba sighs and sits next to his bound prey. He rubs the cold steel of the gun on her stomach. She tenses each time he lifts the gun and touches her with it. The cold gunmetal shocking her each time. Hey, what are you doing? His accomplice is back. Nothing. Did you find the cash? He did. Twelve hundred and two shotguns. Alright, let's get out of here. Before Oba leaves, he looks back at the bound woman. She's shaking, crying. Oba then notices a puppy. A Doberman Pinscher crouched in the corner. The puppy cowering. Chandler takes the dog with him as he leaves. A few days later, he gives the puppy away. Weeks later, Chandler is arrested. He's charged with kidnapping, armed robbery, and drug possession. He takes a plea and is given 10 years. This is in 1977. Chandler's a model prisoner. After less than six months in prison, he's given the minimum security job of road work. One day, the prison guards busy themselves, and Oba walks away. 
Chandler starts using the name James Thomas Wright. He works as an apartment manager in Sanford, Florida. He reaches out to his family, and they call him by his new name. In 1978, Chandler's arrested in Altamont Springs for prowling. In 1981, for tampering with a coin machine. He's still wanted for escaping prison, yet he manages to become a CI for the Orlando Metropolitan Bureau of Investigation. He even helps police bust a porn ring. In 1982, Chandler is living in Maitland, Florida with a new girlfriend. He owns an aluminum siding company. In Maitland, he's arrested for creating counterfeit $20 bills. Despite the slew of charges that leads him to this point, he serves less than four years in prison. He's released on December 12, 1986. Oba Chandler marries again in Tarpon Springs, Florida on May 14, 1988 to Deborah Ann Whiteman. He lies and tells the state this is his first marriage. A year later, Oba and Deborah buy a house together in Tampa Shores. Out back, tied to a pier, is a 21-foot boat. It has a blue exterior and white interior. Oba pays $100 for the boat from the previous owner of the home. Months later, he buys the dark Jeep Cherokee. It seems at first that Oba Chandler is living a normal life. He starts spending time with his many children. Chandler seems to have mellowed with age. Rick, his son-in-law, doesn't buy the act. On one occasion, while the two are working an aluminum siding job, Oba catches Rick off guard. Oba confides that he forced women to have sex with him on his boat. Rick writes it off as a strange joke. Sunday, June 4th, 1989, 9.20 a.m. A man on a sailboat called the Amber Waves spots a body floating in the ocean. It's hard to tell from afar because the body is decomposing due to the water and that hot Florida sun beating down. The man makes a call over his radio, reports the body. He reports that, quote, it looks like murder. Three Coast Guards are dispatched, the body found floating in the water near Piney Point. It's the body of a woman with only her buttocks above water. They can't pull the victim's body into their inflatable 19-foot boat straight away. Her neck tied to a yellow rope and anchored. After cutting the rope, they pull the victim aboard, her hands and feet bound. She's naked from the waist down, her head wrapped with duct tape, like a strange effigy or mummy under a blue Florida sky. Before they can finish, the men receive another call, a second body found, another woman. They rush the body back to shore, and then the recovery team is off to retrieve the second body. This next victim's body is in the same condition as the last, tied, anchored, bound, half-naked. While retrieving the second body, another Coast Guard boat is dispatched. As the second boat arrives, the guards find a third victim's body. Again, a woman. The bodies get placed side by side on a dock. They're examined and photographed. The bodies bloated, decomposing. Two of the three bodies tied to concrete blocks. 
It's believed the third was as well, but the block was cut free before it could be confirmed. One of the victims struggled enough to free a hand from her binding. As we take a moment's pause in the middle of our exploration of the dark corners of humanity, let's explore a different kind of mystery. One that takes you back to the roaring 1920s with June's Journey. In this hidden object game, you slip into the role of June Parker, tasked with unraveling the murder mystery of her sister. Each scene is meticulously designed, filled with hidden clues that lead you deeper into a storyline, riddled with danger, romance, and scandalous family secrets. I've personally ventured through the ornate parlors of New York to the charming streets of Paris within this game, each chapter peeling back layers of a complex narrative that's as engaging as it is visually stunning. Beyond just solving mysteries, June's journey invites you to escape into an era of opulence as you build and customize your very own estate island. It's the perfect blend of challenge and relaxation that I find incredibly refreshing, especially after delving into the often intense themes of our podcast. For those of you who thrive on solving puzzles and uncovering stories, June's Journey offers a chance to channel your inner detective. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Step into June's shoes and help her solve the ultimate mystery. Can you uncover the truth behind her sister's tragic demise? Now, let's dive back into our own mysterious journey here on Obscura. Stay tuned and keep your wits about you. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Catherine Hegel, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dog joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. Their food. What she's discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step -step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Listener, I've watched this video, and honestly, it's 20 minutes well spent. The health of my animals means everything to me. This stuff has improved the coats and energy of mine, and they love it. Normally they are picky with food, but they really enjoy this stuff. Go to badlandsfood.com obscura and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com slash obscura. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her response or record her voice. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories 
for eternity. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventure, and the challenges she overcame. The book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. Personally, I love my life in a book. I tried it with my mom, and I've heard stories I'd never heard before because, you know, they just never came up naturally in conversation. It's easy to use, and my favorite part is it's given me more of an excuse to talk to my mom more. You know, it's not always easy to come up with those on your own. Listener, check out mylifeinabook.com and use code Obscura at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code Obscura for 10% off today. Back at the farm, Hal Rogers and Michelle's boyfriend, Jeff, are in a state of constant panic. Hal chain smokes. He calls every police station in every county from Ohio to Florida to report his family missing. Any that Joe and the girls could have passed through. Days ago, Jeff felt embarrassed that Michelle sent him flowers on his birthday. He'd been at work at the convenience store and hid the flowers. Now he desperately needs to know if Michelle was okay. Not one relative or friend has heard from Joe and the girls. Then one day, something strange happens. Jeff receives a postcard. The front reads, Fun times in Florida. The back. Hi, how is everything with you? I'm doing great. Yesterday, we went to the zoo in Jacksonville. I was visiting my relatives and we found Jeffrey. You. Later, we went to Silver Springs and rode on a glass-bottom boat. Today, we are going to a beach and then to SeaWorld. You have fun at work and behave yourself. Have a great birthday. I'll be thinking of you. I miss you. Love ya. Shell. This is too much for Hal and Jeff. Hal has had enough. He withdraws $7,000 and hires a private plane. June 8th. Police seal off Joe, Michelle, and Christie's room at the Days Inn. Every square inch of every surface in the room examined. The Rogers last seen having dinner at the motel sometime between 5.30 and 7.30 p.m. Prints are taken from a tube of toothpaste. They're a match. The bodies secured from the ocean are Joe, Michelle, and Christie's. How receives the news from a local sheriff and friend. Jeff Feesby will later recall receiving the devastating news. After, Jeff went down to the family basement, punched a hole through the wall. Joe, Michelle, and Christy Rogers were thrown into the water alive, made to watch each other drown. Years later, it will be theorized that Oba Chandler derived pleasure from hurting people in front of their loved ones. The horror in their eyes as they watched their loved ones slowly die. The medical examiner lists the official cause of death as homicidal violence asphyxia, the Rogers' car is found at a boat ramp one mile from the motel. There are no signs of struggle in the room or in the car. A funeral is held at the Zion Lutheran Church. In the service closed casket. Joe and the girls are buried in the church cemetery. 
Hal feels empty. Days leading up to the funeral, Hal is quoted saying, I should have went with them. This wouldn't have happened. You can find a picture of the gravestone online. Michelle and Christy Stone are particularly beautiful, decorated with flowers and connected by stone. Four plots dug, the sisters buried next to each other, their mother at their feet. Hal takes to drinking. If he weren't working his endless job on the farm, he would have fallen into the comfort of the bottle. He becomes a stranger to his friends. John Rogers, Hal's predator brother, is immediately under suspicion. John had been in prison, but the similarities are striking. John's a sex criminal that likes to use bondage. The Rogers were found sexually violated and bound. Before John's prison sentence, he'd spent weeks on vacation in Florida, visiting several of the locations the girls had. Police believe there's a chance that John orchestrated the murders from prison. The Rogers Oldsmobile was found at a boat ramp. In the vehicle is a map with directions to the motel scrawled on it in handwriting that didn't match Joe or the girls. The motel and car checked for fingerprints. The prints only matched Joe, Michelle's, Christy, and the maids who cleaned their room. A woman and her husband had seen the Oldsmobile parked at the boat ramp at 2 p.m. on June 1st. A tip came in that a man had been prowling the boat ramp and asking women to go for rides. Detectives speak with the man, and he's cleared. Using credit card records and eyewitness accounts, investigators construct a timeline. A $5,000 reward was posted by friends of the Rogers family in Ohio. This leads to only a small increase in tips. When August came, only four detectives were still working the Rogers case. Detectives were uneasy when they learned how Rogers withdrew $7,000. They questioned him about the withdrawal. Hal explained to the detectives how close he was to hiring a private plane to get to Florida. Before they left, they asked Hal where the money was. Hal, in the madness that had engulfed his life, had left $6,000 in the glove compartment of his truck. The other thousand was in his pocket. In October, Halid is found in Madeira Beach. The rape of Judy Blair, the Canadian tourist. This happened two weeks previous to the Rogers family tragedy. The similarities are strong. Blue and white boat. Victim a tourist. She was stripped from the waist down. Detectives are so convinced they have the same predator. They flew from St. Petersburg, Florida to Canada to interview Judy Blair. From the interview came a composite sketch. It depicts a middle-aged white man with blonde hair, a mustache, and uncaring eyes. Judy tells the police that the man had been about 200 pounds and had a dark tan. The reaction was strong and swift. The sketch made the front-page newspapers across the country. Tampa, Florida Joanne Steffi found herself staring at the sketch for a long time. She'd finished the story, and now something about the sketch nagged at her. That man, down the road, he looked vaguely like this sketch. The man has a friendliness about him. 
but Steffi doesn't believe in it. Something about the man feels insincere. Something about his eyes doesn't match his smile. The first time Steffi met him, he told her to call him by his nickname, Obi. He said it was like Obi-Wan Kenobi. The man would force himself into private conversation in the neighborhood. If a group of people were talking outside, Obi would find a way in the mix. There's something about his insistence that Steffi finds weird. She could see him now, smiling ear to ear, but an emptiness in his eyes. Steffi took some time to read the full article again. She'd seen Obi washing his boat with the hose several times. Then one day the boat was gone. Sold. Wasn't the boat blue and white? Yes, she thought to herself. It was. Steffi remembered Obi telling her he's an aluminum salesman. The man just can't shut up about selling aluminum. Steffi gets dressed, grabs some belongings, and starts driving. She finds herself drawn to Obi's house. She slams the brakes. It's him. Damn, it's him. That night, Oba sees his sketch on the news. He's gone before Steffi made the connection. November 1989, Cincinnati, Ohio. Crystal, Oba's daughter, and her husband Rick are on their way to see Oba in the motel he's staying at. Crystal got the news after school that her father is in town and wants to see her. When they arrive at the motel, his dark Jeep Cherokee sits in a space behind the motel. Crystal's husband points out that the Jeep is angled in such a way to hide the license plate against a wall. When the two park in front of the motel, they notice Oba standing in the doorway of his motel room. He looks disheveled and nervous. He's scanning left and right, as if he's looking for someone. Crystal and Rick enter the room, and the smell hits them immediately. Cigarette smoke and body odor. Then the state of the room. Paper coffee cups litter the floor, and the ashtray isn't full. It's stacked high. Behind them, the door slams shut, and the sound of a latch clicking in its place. Oba Chandler is pacing the room his arms waving about while he mutters to himself. He stops, plants his feet, and acknowledges once again that they were sharing the same room. I'm on the run, he tells the pair. The police are searching for me in Florida. Crystal and Rick give each other a nervous glance. Oba is now muttering about rape and murder. Again, he speaks up. I have some gold rings and an old wedding ring I could sell. Did you guys want to buy one? Crystal lets out a sob. Rick pulls her close. They leave the motel room together and drive away. Back home, they pull into the driveway. Crystal has calmed down somewhat, but she still feels anxious. When the couple gets to the front door, they hear it. It's their phone ringing off the hook. It's her father again. He's begging for forgiveness. After a one-sided conversation, Crystal tells her father they can talk in the morning. She has trouble sleeping that night. Her father had always been a calm, stoic figure. Seeing him act that way turned her world on its head. 
In the morning, Crystal and Rick wake to Oba, sitting at their doorstep. Rick agrees to buy a ring off his father-in-law, anything to get him to leave. Crystal goes to school for the day. When she gets home, the phone is ringing. Crystal and her husband pick up Oba from his motel room and take him shopping. Oba arrived in Florida apparel, far too thin for the cold weather in Ohio. Crystal buys her father a thick coat and some shoes that can withstand the cold. Afterwards, they take him to White Castle for dinner. Everything seems fine at first, but then Oba breaks down and starts crying. Not a light cry. He's bawling. He's muttering about picking women up at a pier. Part 4. Flytrap In Florida, Oba Chandler's wife is left in the dark. Oba didn't bother to fill her in. One day, her friend shows to her a newspaper. The two looked at the sketch. It looked like Oba. January, 1990. It's late. A Saturday night. Joanne Steffi is spending her evening studying. She didn't tell the police of her suspicions. Her friend talked her out of it. She told Steffi that she could be damning an innocent man. Steffi decides to take a break from her studies. She goes to the kitchen for a snack. On her way to the refrigerator, she glances out the window. Oba Chandler is staring at her. Steffi rushes and turns off her lights. Now in the dark, she looks back out the window. He's still standing there, staring. Steffi is frozen in place. Finally, after what feels like an eternity, Chandler calls in his dog. Steffi closes the blinds and turns her lights back on. Bathed in electric light, she knows she has to tell someone. The next day, Steffi goes to class. She finds and tells a deputy her story. The deputy listens and thanks her for the tip. Time passes, but nothing happens. Steffi assumes that the tip was investigated, but Obi wasn't their man. In reality, the Hillsborough County Sheriff kept this tip to himself and was probably busying himself with a speed trap or harassing jaywalkers. Years pass. Unsolved mysteries run an episode about the case. This reignites interest from the public. Thousands of tips come in. Billboards are placed along the Florida Highway. Ten billboards in total. Investigators find that the handwriting found on the map did not belong to the Rogers, so the handwriting is blown up and placed on a billboard, along with pictures of Joe, Michelle, and Christy. One billboard reads, Who wrote these directions? You may know who. Killed the Rogers family. $25,000 reward. St. Pete Police. And then a phone number listed. September 24th, 1992. Oba Chandler leaves the gas station and heads to his car. He purchased the Nissan Pulsar in Ohio yesterday with cash and jewelry. The jewelry came from a robbery seven days previous. After the robbery, Oba had enough jewelry melted down to net him $8,000. He then gave his pregnant wife, Deborah, some stolen jewelry. For if the money became tight... 
After that, he sold someone jewelry at a low cost that turned out to be worth $50,000. Chandler had traveled from Ohio to Florida nonstop, except stopping for gas. Unbeknownst to Oba, an arrest team has spent the day in a rented office waiting for the right time to strike. Chandler has enough time to place the fuel nozzle before he's surrounded by police. The police with their guns drawn. Oba is formed that any attempt to flee could be fatal. What am I being charged with? Chandler asked. Oba Chandler is placed in the back of an unmarked vehicle and relocated to Pinellas County Jail. He's talkative at first. He tells two investigators that he is, quote, guilty of a lot of things. Shortly after he becomes tight-lipped, he gives investigators no permission to search his vehicle and wants to speak to a lawyer. Oba is a hardened criminal. He's been through the system. He won't crack easy. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Oba Chandler is charged with sexual battery, and his bond is set at $1 million. How do we get to this point? Well, it turns out that Joanne Steffi's heroic vigilance finally paid off. Through sheer determination, her and another neighbor were able to match Oba's handwriting on an aluminum siding contract to the billboard shown in the papers. She receives a $15,000 reward for her efforts. Joanne Seffi has since passed away. I'd like to read her obituary I found online. There's something about it that resonates with me. It reads, Joanne M. Steffi quietly made the final journey home on November 15, 2013 at her home in Carrollwood, Florida. She left behind two daughters, Cheryl and Cynthia, three granddaughters, six great-grandchildren, two brothers, a sister, and cherished friends. Joanne retired after many years of service at Bank of America and was considered by many a local hero for the part she played in the arrest and conviction of murderer Oba Chandler. Joanne graduated from Magna Cum Laude in 1988 from Tampa College with a BS in Marketing and Management her quick wit and kind nature will be missed by all who knew her. I want to take a moment and say my piece here as well. Joanne, you were the hero in this great, dark story 
that slayed the monster at the end. It's only fitting that Oba Chandler was vanquished by someone of the gender he so despised. Joanne Steffi, you are a beacon in this dark world. Rest easy. The next day, Hal gave a statement to the news media. He wasn't as optimistic as they would have liked. In his usual stoic voice, he told them, It sounds good, but they ain't charged him with nothing. I don't get too excited because I've gotten my hopes up too many times before. I hope it is the guy, but it's been so damn long. Oba Chandler spent his days locked away in solitary confinement. This upset him a great deal. There has long been a theory that there was a second suspect. The police have outright denied it, but the theory persists. I've seen many arguments online for and against this theory. I'll have to leave this one up to you, listener. Now, Dennis Rowe. He at one point shared a cell with Oba Chandler. He told police that Chandler met the Rogers when they were seeking directions for a mall. After some conversation... Oba invited them to go out on his boat with him. When the girls arrived, he helped them bring some coolers and their bags on board. Dennis Rowe claimed Oba had a friend hiding on his boat. According to Rowe, Oba took the girls out on the water, and he behaved himself at first. Then, at random, he smacked either Michelle or Christy on the butt. Joe Rogers was upset and started yelling at Oba, that's when, according to Roe, Oba struck her hard enough to knock her unconscious. Oba then used his knife to control Michelle and Christy. According to Roe, Oba would throw one of the girls overboard with their arms bound in concrete blocks tied to their necks. He told them to, quote, swim for it, and he made them watch each other drown. During his trial... Oba's defense was that he gave Joe, Michelle, and Christy directions, and they went on their way. That the whole interaction was bad luck on his part. With the first week of the trial coming to a close, there was already a sense that things wouldn't go well for Chandler. Many of his own friends and family couldn't vouch for him as a person. Then one day, his worst nightmare walked through the courtroom door. Judy Blair we had sexually violated all the way back in 1989, testified against him. This was the ultimate damning evidence, the ultimate revenge. For one last nail in the coffin, prosecutors had another major piece of evidence. Hoba claimed that he wasn't on the water at the time of their deaths, but after much legwork from investigators that involved a subpoena to GE and aid from the FBI... It was found that Oba Chandler had made two collect calls from his boat, one at 1.12 a.m. and one at 1.38 a.m. He had identified himself to the collect call operator as Obi and had identified the name of the boat as Gypsy One. Because of this evidence, the defense had to relent and admit he was on the boat as late as 1.38 a.m. and not at home. This meant Oba had to create an awkward story about why he was out on his boat at night in the same area where the Rogers' bodies were found. On November 3rd, 1994, Oba Chandler was found guilty of first-degree murder for three counts. It took the jury less than two hours to deliberate. 
On November 4th, Hoba's sentence was to be decided. Some of his victims chose to speak before his decision was made. Peggy Harrington explained through tears about the incident in which Chandler placed a gun barrel to her face and robbed her of jewelry. Robert Plemons recounted the horrific night back in 1976 when Chandler and his friends kicked through the front door of his apartment, robbed him, and molested his girlfriend. Robert Plemons stared a hole through Chandler, rage emanating from his face. Chandler was sentenced to death and was to die by the electric chair. The judge stood and spoke these words, Hoba Chandler, you have not only forfeited your right to live among us, but under the laws of the state of Florida, you have forfeited your right to live at all. Unfortunately, death row is not where Oba Chandler's legacy of violence ends. In February 2014, Oba Chandler's DNA tied him to another murder. The 1990 rape and murder of Avilise Beergris. You'll have to forgive my pronunciation of Beergris. I googled and I looked for pronunciations, but there wasn't a lot of information. CBS Miami reported, on November 26, 1990, Evelise Spirgris was leaving her job at the Sawgrass Mills Mall. Police believe the newlywed was likely heading home, but she found two of her car tires slashed, and she would never be seen alive again. Investigators say Spirgris was abducted, bound, assaulted, strangled, and dumped in a Coral Springs neighborhood. The Broward medical examiner determined she had died of asphyxia. During his time awaiting the death penalty, Chandler maintained his innocence. His lawyer, Bea Harrison, said that Chandler didn't want him to file any appeals. Hoba felt that if there wasn't a way to stop the execution, then there wasn't a point in delaying it. After Harrison filed a motion and then an appeal that was rejected, Hoba's luck was up. On November 15, 2011, Oba Chandler was prepared for execution. Preparation entails that the prisoner has his head shaved and the calf on one leg is shaved. This is so when the electrodes are attached to the skin, better contact is ensured. Oba's last meal was two salami sandwiches on white bread and half a peanut butter and grape jelly sandwich. At 4.08 p.m., on November 15, 2011, with Hal Rogers looking on, Hoba Chandler received a jolt of 2,450 volts for 15 seconds. After a 15-minute wait, Chandler was checked on by the coroner, and then the cycle was repeated three times. His body likely reached the internal temperature of 210 degrees Fahrenheit. Hoba Chandler's eyes were likely taped shut so they wouldn't melt out of his head.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.